All right. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of AT Talks. Uh, we're just doing a series here, multiple episode series uh, for athletic training students or recently new athletic trainers. We're going to start with, we're just graduating school. What is the next step? Uh, before we get into that, can we just quickly introduce ourselves? So everybody knows who, like I know everybody, but Twitter probably doesn't know everybody. So it, doesn't, it doesn't matter who start. Paul, you want to start? I'm Paul Rupp, athletic trainer at Oakland High School in Northern Virginia. This is my 20-some-odd year in the profession. Did undergrad at East Strasburg, master's at Syracuse, was at St. John's University for four and a half years, and now at the school I've been at for 21. Paul's been doing this for a while. Um, My name is Tony Hunter, (laughs) head athletic trainer at uh, Walton High School, which is in Marietta, Georgia. I'm also a full-time teacher as well, teaching our CTAE pathway, sports medicine pathway. Graduated undergrad at Minnesota State University and grad school at Ball State University. I was fortunate to do a fellowship at Oregon State University. That's a sharp hat there, Tom. Learn something new every day. I'm Alex Merriman. I am also a CTE teacher um, and athletic trainer at a high school, at Dorsey High School in South Central Los Angeles. Um, born and raised in Southern California. I'm approaching 10 years as an AT. And I went to Loyola Marymount in Westchester for my bachelor's, got my master's from Cal UPenn, and got my doctorate from AT still in 2019. Hi, everyone. My name is Andrea Kowalski. I am a secondary school athletic trainer in Aurora, Illinois, just about 45 minutes outside Chicago. Um, earned my bachelor's in athletic training from Northern Illinois University, uh, master's in athletic training from Illinois State University, and outside of work, I love to, um, my, my thing is professional involvement, so I'm on a lot of the associations. Hey, my name is Mark Dianza, graduated from San Diego State, master's from, in education from UNLV. I'm a per diem athletic trainer with select physical therapy. I teach full-time at Durango High School in Las Vegas. I'm also um, adjunct faculty or part-time instructor at UNLV. I teach anatomy phys there, and I also teach emergency management of trauma and illness, and a lot of professional involvement stuff with me, and I also do the NFL spotter job at Legion Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, my name is Nikki Harris, young professional underscore AT on Twitter. I am originally from Detroit, Michigan, but I reside in Miami, Florida now. I have a bachelor's in psychology from Wayne State University in Detroit, my master's in athletic training from FIU, and my doctorate in athletic training from AT Still University. Um, I was formerly a high school athletic trainer, but I am now the coordinator for athletic training services at FIU, which is a program that services intramural and club athletes, as well as the general student population. And I am the current uh, District 9 Young Professional Committee Chair. And I'm your host, Tom Burkowski, Indiana's most favorite athletic trainer, Northwest Indiana, most favorite athletic trainer, and uh, tacos and popcorn and stuff. So, hey. So we just graduated school, either undergrad or graduate, uh, master's, bachelor's, you know, even a doctor program. What's, what's the next step here in our plan to transition to, into the profession or some other route? Anybody can start. I think one of the, sorry, go ahead, Paul. I was going to say that the first thing you got to do is find a job. And, <laughs> and that, that kind of comes from the networking that hopefully you got to do a little bit 
um, when you're traveling with teams as an undergrad or as a, as a GA or working a master's or a fellowship or wherever you're coming from, whatever level you're coming from, you did some traveling. Hopefully you met those athletic trainers. You did those uh, pregame, um, those chats, those timeouts, and met those athletic trainers and met them, not just heard them and, and listened to them, but met them and got to know them and let them get to know you. And uh, as much as, much as it is it's an old boy network good or bad it's an old boy network and it, and it helps to remember people have them remember you and do a good job while you're meeting them so i'm gonna go one step before that looking back on my life getting a job is important because you're gonna be broke most likely anytime you finish school so getting a job is important but i looking back will say goal setting is huge right so you have to decide where it is you want to go in this profession um, and how you're going to get there. So I think obviously it's important to take that job, whether it's a GA, whether it's working in a high school, whatever, whether it's per diem is important, but you want to set yourself up to be in a position that's going to help you get towards your goal one way or another. So I think looking towards the future and deciding what it is you want to do personally and professionally is going to be huge when selecting that first job, if you have options. Adding to that, I think realizing that your goals can change as you get older because my goals coming right out of school are completely different than what they were a couple years ago when I was getting my doctorate and why I decided to get my doctorate. So recognizing that this profession is ever-changing, you are forever changing as a professional and then you know, keeping those, those goals true to you. I would definitely say my career has taken a lot of left and right turns throughout the course of it. I did not see myself as an educator full time, but I mean, that just sort of comes with being growing up and becoming an adult. And I mean, Alejandro, we were talking earlier, you're like, yeah, all of a sudden I got married and I moved out in this year. And it's like, that changes how your goals work and everything else. So you have to figure out how the profession sort of fits in with, with what's going on with your life. And the beautiful thing about this profession is it can fit in with what's going on in your life. There's so many different options and avenues that you have. You just have to say, hey, this is exactly what I want it to be for me and go out and make it happen. I mean, just, I think uh, Nikki made a great point. Yeah, make some goals and be like, hey, this is where I want to go. I got to figure out how to make that happen and I got to do the work in order to get to that point that I'm trying to get to. Tony, I know you wanted to say something. You had your Yeah, I was just want to add, I agree uh, with the goal setting. I think that is vital. At the same time, I also know it's challenging because as we get married, we have kids, uh, we're in different environments. Our goals are constantly changing, uh, but I do think it's important. So one of the things I would kind of add too is actually establishing mentors for yourself when you get into the profession. Because you know things are constantly changing, it's always nice to have a mentor to feed off of, to gain some perspective, to gain some knowledge to give you some direction as you continue to move forward. So I always recommend once you get into this profession, try to get you two to three different mentors that can kind of give you three different perspectives and guiding you on where you want to be. I think that's a huge point. You said two or three mentors, which for me is key. I think you don't have to have one single mentor. A lot of people think that they need one mentor to take them everywhere. And like you said, your goals are going to change. Things are going to change. So you might need a mentor in your first job to help you literally transition to practice and learn how to do that job. You may need a mentor that helps you get to your long-term goal. You may, you may need a work-life balance mentor. So um, establishing those mentors and, and knowing that there's variability in those for each different goal that you set is very important.
I also think as a new grad, a lot of a lot of us were were scared to reach out to people and ask for help. And I remember having a conversation on Twitter where I just literally said, okay, great. So you're going to be my mentor now. Um, I'll be calling you later. And I was joking, but I was completely serious. Like you meet people and I would encourage people to not be scared to reach out and ask for help. That networking that you do as a student, take advantage of it and save all those numbers, save all those business cards, save all those emails. And don't be scared to reach out. There are so many of us here. A lot of you are familiar with the Wolfpack on Twitter, all things AT, Gather through NATA. There are so many outlets. Throw Latinx in there also. Yes. The the one that you created out there. I mean, you built a network specifically for your culture. And I mean, fantastic. That that is a group because I mean, you got to have shared experiences with some of the people sometimes too. And that that plays a big role in what's going on and understanding where you are at as a professional. Absolutely. And that, and you know, that's why we partnered with all things AT so that, you know, if we do have an athletic training student of color and they wish to find an athletic training mentor of color, there are outlets. All things AT is working really hard to do that. And if you know someone, just ask, it's asking around and not being scared to ask, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to say no, but I, if I don't know someone, I may know someone who does know someone else, and then you can find someone who can, can point you in the right direction. So definitely don't be scared to reach out and ask. I'll say this, so many athletic trainers are very open, welcoming. I mean, we've seen it in Wolfpack where we have what, three or four professional athletic trainers or professional sports athletic trainers, uh, all different settings and very open to conversation and to talk. You know, it's funny you look on, on a lot of the social media platforms and some of those posts look so bitter and angry. And when you talk to those individuals one-on-one and have a conversation with them, really not that bad of people. And um, understanding where they're coming from sometimes changes those post views. But you know, some, some of them are not so good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Some of those bitter posts <laughs> avoid those people, but you know, some, some aren't so bad. Mm-hmm. Definitely along those lines of um, just, just mentors and, and bringing people up. Um, I remember when I was very newly certified in my first few years, I had some mentors that I was familiar with for many years that were helping me along and, and you know, giving me hints or, or opening doors for me. Um, and, and some people, some older athletic trainers that I had never met before were still opening doors for me. And I, I often wondered to myself at that age, like, why are these people doing this thing for me? You know, why are these people being so helpful and, and so guiding and so nice to me at this point when I don't even know them? And then I get a few years into the profession and then I kind of look back and I'm, I'm a little bit distanced from um, newly grad, you know, newly certified grads or, um, you know, students. And I look at them and I think, yeah, that's because what that's, that's just what you do. That's, you know, you help the next generation along. Um, you find those people that are positive and helpful and willing to, um, you know, grease some wheels and open some doors for you. And that's how we elevate the entire profession. You know, we, you know, we, we don't um, attach ourselves to people that will bring us all down. But instead, as, as a young professional, as a uh, new grad, you look for the people that are helping, that are, that are making introductions. And then as a more experienced professional, you turn around and you help the next person up. And one of the things I would add to as a young professional is nurture or build upon your passions. Some of us have passion clinically. Some of us have passion within research. 
Some of us have passion within admin. Whatever that is, build upon it. And that can be gained through education or it can be gained through experience. So if you get a job right away, okay, if you are interested in admin, then you need to be trying to soak up as much administrative duties as possible. You need to be learning how to oversee other healthcare professionals, how to oversee a budget, how to manage a facility, if admin is the case. If it's clinical, then you need to be nurturing your clinical skills. If that's what you enjoy doing, you know, taking different CEUs again to improve your hands-on skills, whether it be manual therapy, learning how to use hydrotherapy, whatever the case may be, you know, continue to nurture your passion is something that I would really uh, uh, stress upon for your young professionals. Yeah, it's kind of going off of what you said, Tony, and a little bit of what Mark said when he uh, said he didn't really imagine his, his career being in the place it is now, you know, when he graduated. Um, I, I think not being afraid to say yes to things um, could be a very big help. You know, if it's something that you just have a little bit of an interest in, but you've never really explored, don't be afraid to say yes to an opportunity or, or just go check it out if you're curious. Yeah, there is definitely some pressure. You have to get a job. You have to start making money to support yourself. Um, but with those few extra minutes that you have sometime during the day, try something new, say yes to an opportunity and, and just see where it takes you. I think that the um, one point that I wanted to make was, and I've talked about before, is no one told me what to do in terms of getting involved in our profession right out of school. I knew about the NITA and um, they encouraged us to become members when we were students. So I was a, a member my senior year of undergrad. And so I knew about it. I was on the website, I was familiar with it, but no one told me about all these different um, committees and at the state level ways I can get involved and and so I didn't really start getting involved um, probably until like three four years ago and that's okay don't feel like you have to jump out and want to be involved in everything but also know that for it to get involved again it's literally just asking around like when when you go to your state convention or your district convention and you know there's the the meeting greets go to those meetings i was super scared and awkward and i because i didn't know anybody and i didn't want to go to those meeting greets and i'm like well who the heck am i going to talk to what am i going to talk about like it it's it's scary and awkward but if you don't do it and get your feet wet and put your name out there then it's it's just going to be more research on your end so do those things, ask questions, meet people. You know, if you, if you look online and, and you look at the committees, like in California, the committees that we have, and then just start emailing people. You know, if you know an athletic trainer in California, hey, do you know any positions that are open? How can I volunteer? How can I do this? How can I do that? And I guarantee you someone's going to get back to you. It may take a minute, but someone will get back to you and let you know about positions open or possible positions open. So it's literally about asking. That's how I got involved in state level and district level. Um, and just don't be, again, don't be scared to ask and to email and to reach out to anybody. Yeah, um, I'll jump on that one that you just said. Um, email your state president. Email your district director. Email the chairs of the committees. I'm chair of the secondary schools committee. So I'm trying to find information from the people that I'm representing in district eight because that's what I'm representing. And um, 
I, I want people to talk to me. I want people to tell me, hey, I'm a secondary school athletic trainer in, in your district. These are the problems I'm having in the district. What, what can we do about this? Because those are the conversations that we're, that we're supposed to be having. And that, that's, what I'm, that's one of my new goals that I've been sort of going with with DA is I'm trying to build a little larger committee than we've had in the past and try to specifically address District 8 stuff. Because I will tell you from that side, one of the things as a district chair, and I think Nikki, I don't know if you might be able to relate to this as, as well, as a chair, sometimes you get wrapped up in the national initiatives, which national involvement is a whole different thing than district and state involvement. If you want local change, district and state is a place to go. And I mean, Nevada, we're a super small state. We have, I think we're about 200, we float between 200 to 230 NATA members every year in Nevada. It just depends on the year. This year's probably gonna be a little down here with everything that's sort of been going on, but I mean, that, that does happen. Um, but yeah, we really don't have any specific committees in Nevada. We're just like, hey, if you contact our managing board, we can help you. California, where Alejandra is, she's on their California specific secondary school committee. And like I deal with their committee chair in California as the far west member and then i deal with the hawaii person over there so trying to get a little bit more input than just having three people on the committee plus me but realistically right now it's just me in california i think i have a hawaii one i kind of get someone from my home state sometimes that's a little that's a little weird there but uh, we'll talk about nevada's a whole nother story but um, yeah just call people and talk to people and don't be scared to call your director they're there to serve you and that, that's one thing that you always have to remember is the committees and the district is there to serve the membership, which is you. And if you don't call them, they might not serve your needs. Yeah, you yeah. You I mean, people sort of make fun of like the, you grease the squeaky wheel, be the squeaky wheel, get there and let people know, hey, I need this and hold them accountable after that. And going back to what Paul started 15 minutes ago, uh, those people in the associations that are on the committees, they know where the jobs are. If you're having a hard time finding jobs, oh, they know. They'll, let you, they'll point you in the exact direction. This place is looking for people. This place is looking for people. You know, this nice entry level, this, and maybe avoid that one. But what it sounds like everyone is saying is that, hey, you need to have a plan, first and foremost. And you need to understand where you want to go. And it's okay if it changes. That's totally fine, but you have to be going somewhere. If that's, you want to go into the workforce and practice, all right, licensure, job, where do you want to go? If you want to go in, in a different workforce, you need more education, you want to go, you know, education, admin, uh, doctorate program, all right, then you got to go back and get that. But you have to understand where you're at and where you want to go and then your goals and how you get there. The, the, the how is important too. I think I was in a, a previous Zoom call where people were discussing master's degree, doctor's degree, why did I do this and why did that. Again, it can be very simple. For me, as a teacher, getting a doctorate degree increases my pay. You know, it's just as simple as that. But when I was working at the collegiate level, getting a doctorate degree was not going to increase my pay. Now, if I felt like it was going to increase my clinical skills and I thought it was going to be necessary, that may have been a choice. But again, you have to understand why you're choosing this route and, and what's going to actually get you to where you want to go. So really paying attention to where it's going to take you. Most colleges and professional levels do require a, ma a master's degree at minimum. Just from a human resources standpoint, they actually really don't care for the most part what that degree is in. Check that and know that because most of them, human resources just want to check off, got his master's degree. As long as you meet that, you meet the minimum requirements to at least apply for that job. 
So again, it's really important that you pay attention to what is actually necessary to get you to your goal. And my last point I want to make uh, is for me, and everybody may disagree or agree with this, but as you're trying to progress in this profession, as a young professional, master at one skill one at a time. I see a lot of young professionals trying to be good at everything and they end up being average at everything. Well, I don't want an average soft tissue person. I don't want an average rehab person. I want to know that you are actually able to master this skill first. And as you continue to grow in the profession, you will end up mastering other skills. So don't rush into it. That would be my next advice for you all, or final, sorry. Going back to what you said, I think um, everybody wants to add letters to the end of their name. And it drives me crazy when there's an alphabet soup and they don't, it's like, what, what do you have this for if you're not gonna use it? So you brought up a great point. Like I was, was thrown into teaching at the secondary school level and I ended up loving it so much that I decided I would love to retire and move back to my profession as a clinical coordinator or a program or, or whatever at that level, which is why I went to get my doctorate. And while doing so, I picked AT still because not only would it set me up for that, it would assist in my leadership skills, but it also improved my clinical skills and how I approach things. So that's why I chose that program specifically. So I definitely would reiterate what Tony just said in, in being meticulous in, in how and why you choose to go in what direction with extra degrees or, or certifications. And, you know, if you have a, a PS behind your name, why do you have that behind your name? If you have a, a strength and conditioning um, cert, why, why do you feel that was necessary for you? Because, you know, you may not use it at, in, the, in the setting that you're in, like a physician extender, probably not going to use a CSCS in that setting. So, you know, but you can definitely take other courses to get certifications that will assist you in developing skills for that specific setting. To, to kind of expand on all that, to, to look at the big and the small picture. Um, when, when I'm hiring somebody, I want to hire somebody that's going to fill the holes that I have. There are skills that I'm not great at, and I want somebody to match those skills. Um, like Tony was saying, um, so have a special skill that can, can match what some, that meets somebody else's needs. Um, and when I was talking about the big picture and small picture, that's a small picture item. Um, but look at the bigger picture at the same time as looking at your own personal small picture. So what I'm talking about is um, a lot of big discussion right now on, on all these social medias is uh, the job market. And how many jobs out there are paying $15,000, no benefits, and, and those jobs hurt the profession. It's hard for me to tell a young professional not to take those jobs because you need a job. If you're working in central Pennsylvania where you can rent a, get an apartment to rent at a $250 a month, you could probably live on $15,000 for a year, get, get some experience and then move on. You come to Northern Virginia just outside of DC or downtown uh, Phoenix, you can't live off $15,000 a year. So depending on where you are, where your situation is at, and then look at the job opportunities and what that job is going to provide you as well as what you're going to provide that job. And, that, and that's, that's hard to do as a young professional because you need to get a job. You need to start paying back your student loans and all that. Um, but take a look at, the, at the, what the job is going to provide you and how can you expand from that job. Oh, you just mentioned an important word, and Alejandro mentioned it a little bit earlier, benefits. Um, understanding what retirement actually looks like. I know you're young, you're just graduating, like, what is retirement? That's light years away. 
still light years away from me, even though I'm kind of old and all that. But I mean, it is something that I started to think about. And that's something that I, I mean, go back to the mentors. I had a conversation with one of the coaches that I worked with at my high school. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing for like, what's your retirement look like with athletic training? Like, honestly, I don't even know what our retirement really looks like at the job I was with, with the company I was working with. And he's like, well, here's what we got for teaching. And he just laid out a thing. And it's like, Hey, that you do X, Y, and Z, you get X, Y, and Z when you retire. And I mean, that, that kind of set the light bulb off. And that's sort of where I was like, Hey, I'm starting a family right now. And it, it made more sense financially to make a transition where I was like, I can teach full time and use that as like the full time job and get retirement based off of that. But I can still do athletic training stuff and still keep that and keep my hand. I would say I try to keep my hands dirty all the time. Like that's something I always want to do because I love this job. I love everything about it. It's just, in the city that I'm in, it, it's tough for high school ATs out here. It, it is a little bit at times. It's not a bad place. It, there's some places that are far worse than what we were dealing with in Vegas with athletic training. I mean, at least we have athletic trainers in all the big public high schools. I mean, we at least have schools covered out here. Go outside of Vegas, whole nother story. But looking at benefits and looking at, hey, what does this job actually offer, um, that that is kind of an important thing that you need to start looking at. And that might be something where you use those mentors and talk to them about, hey, wh what is this retirement thing? What does it look like in this specific job and in this specific field? And that's absolutely something that you have to think about when you're looking at jobs. I think, what, go ahead. Sorry, one of my, my um, Hall of Fame uh, people here in Illinois said one thing that kind of summed up um, my approach to uh, you know starting out in your career. You can either get involved or you can get burned out. Um, so to, to kind of wrap up, um, you know, my thoughts that just find something you want to do, find your mentors, ask people, talk to people, get involved. Burnout's another topic for another day, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Burn, yeah. Not, not on the mind of many uh, new grads, but. And, and what I would say to new grads, yeah. we got less than a minute, is that um, mm -hmm. if there's something you want and you're passionate, you're fired up, apply for it. It doesn't matter the part, apply for it. It might say a master's three years experience and you might have a master's no experience or a bachelor's in three years. It doesn't matter. Apply for it. If you're fine, like we all have weaknesses. Paul mentioned, Paul's been doing this for a career. And he says, I want people to match my weaknesses and my strengths. And that's okay. If you're fired up, you're passionate, they'll show you some skills. You'll learn on the road. You'll get that knowledge. You know, don't be afraid to go after the dream because you don't have the experience yet. Okay, so we're going to get kicked out any second. Thank you for coming on. And we'll do episode two, hopefully, one week from now, next week. So thank you very much. Have a great day, and I'll see most of you all at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Have a good one.